When it comes to fundraising and development, there is a lot to consider. That's why we are committed to coming alongside and supporting you in the work of raising resources for the kingdom mission you are leading at your local Youth for Christ chapter. In this podcast series, we're answering 20 questions to help you gain traction in planning and doing development locally. I'm your host, Nathan Jones, and I serve as the National Development Strategist for Youth for Christ USA, and you are listening to the podcast series, A Curious Approach to Fund Development. Boards play a key role in both overall organizational health as well as specific success with regard to the work of fund development. Having a healthy and engaged board is one of the key components to set you up for strength as a YFC chapter. Today I had the chance to interview a longtime mentor and friend, Dr. Gary Hogue. Gary is the author of numerous articles and books on topics including generosity, governance, faithful administration, fiscal accountability, and spiritual formation. Gary currently serves as the CEO and president of Global Trust Partners. He is married to his lovely wife, Jenny, has two grown children, and resides just down the road from me in Littleton, Colorado. Thank you for joining Gary and I today as we dive into answering question number 10. What if your board increased their capacity to govern, implement, and volunteer? Gary, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for carving out time to be with us. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, give us a little context of your background and what you're up to these days. Well, these days I serve as president and CEO of Global Trust Partners, or GTP. And the purpose of GTP is in obedient service to Jesus Christ. GTP multiplies faithful stewards and mobilizes peer accountability groups to build trust and grow local, generous giving to God's work. Very cool. What Give us a, a sense of your heart, kind of your journey up to this point. What is it that's been driving you? Well, I have to say that in dedicating my life to encouraging Christian generosity about 11 years ago, I never dreamed that God would have me like, writing meditations that people all over the world read every day, and then setting up structures to unleash generosity in nations. Definitely wasn't on my radar, and it's super fun work. That is very cool. So given the global scope of this work, what draws you and what keeps you going and engaged in God's kingdom mission? So a God's eye view of of generosity over like the last century has been Hmm. largely the West and the North has given a man a fish and fed him for a day in the East and Global South instead of teaching him how to fish and feeding him for a lifetime. So here's what drives me. I get to work with humble servants around the world that are skilled, that God has raised up, and they're hungry and receptive Hmm. for biblical and practical instruction in growing generous giving and in in building faithful governance and in um, establishing fruitful administration and ministries. Super fun work. That is very fulfilling. Um, Okay, so today we're talking about boards. What is a board and why do we have them? So I'm going to give you a biblical scholar's answer to that. Is that okay? okay? That's perfect. So a board is a group of overseers who don't lord over, but humbly help God's servants with the oversight of operations of God's work. And boards go back to the beginning of God's people. So back to the days of Moses, God never intended his servants, to do the work alone. Hmm. So uh, I would anchor this in passages like Numbers 11, 16, and 17. I'll read it for you. Okay. It says, The Lord therefore said to Moses, 
Gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officials, and bring them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with me. Then I will come down and speak with you there, and I'll take away some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so you won't have to bear it yourself. Hmm. So if I remember right, his uh, Moses' father-in-law said, if you're trying to bear this weight, you're going to kill yourself. That's right. Jethro's advice was really good. And so God establishes this paradigm that follows Jethro's advice, mm-hmm. and there's at least four things we can gather from it. God wanted boards to be people of proven character and administrative gifting. Literally, the words elders mm-hmm. and officials mean that they were proven godly character and administrative gifting. Second, they were to take a standing and listening posture in the tent of meeting. Mm. That's the place where God would speak to Moses. And so they were supposed to go there and listen. So they were attuned to God. Third thing, mm. they were they were to be empowered by the Spirit. And last, their job was to share the burdens of the people. So God says, I want to provide help for you. Mm. That's beautiful. Okay, so uh, in your in your work, what are some of the themes that you're seeing which are challenging board effectiveness? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer. It's, it's actually uh, good that you ask because I've been leaning into this recently. I'm gonna offer you three. Let's drill down with each one okay. if we should. So the first one is compliance focused instead of Christ like focus. So this is what I'm seeing. Boards are just focused on like their legal compliance versus Focusing on Christ-likeness. Let me explain what this, what I mean by this. Yeah. When people think about boards, they tend to think, okay, what does the government expect of us? We got to file our 990s. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure that we don't do anything that violates our 501c3 status. So they're focused on compliance rather than what does God expect of them. Mm. And and God desires that our that our work is done in a way that is is done with a higher standard, not just kind of a, a following government laws. And so by by not so much focusing on Christ-likeness and mm-hmm. just kind of focusing on compliance, mm-hmm. we tend to not get the right people in the room, mm-hmm. and we tend to not be focused on the right things. So uh, you, you used a word to kind of wrap this or um, summarize this of character. You know, when... One of the things I'm seeing as I work with boards and do board trainings around the world is that is that if you don't look for people of character, people of competence, that is good skill, and people of commitment to your mission. I don't mean mm-hmm. like commitment to God. I mean some board members are like really godly people, but like you're priority number 27 on their list. And so mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far. So you want people by by Christ-likeness, I would drill down and say people of character, mm-hmm. people of competence, like they bring some skill set to the table, and commitment to your mission. That's the first thing you want to look for. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me go to the second yeah, go one. Yeah, go to the second. Okay, so boards that are that are tend to be challenged... They tend to be outcomes focused mm-hmm. instead of obedience focused. Okay, let me drill down on that one. Too many boards are focused on asking the CEO to deliver outcomes when their focus should be overseeing and delivering obedience. Because, Nathan, God desires not results from us, He desires righteousness from us. Mm. Righteousness is a $64 theological word for doing yeah. the right things. Mm. And so, If you want to see fruitfulness, what do we learn in the Gospels? 
You got to focus on faithfulness. And so the board's job is, are you dialed in and doing the faithful things to position us for 30, 60, 100 fold blessing? And what I'm seeing around the world, Nathan, is, I mean, literally, they're just focused on, okay, what's your strategy to to make it rain, to produce all these results? Mm -hmm. And it is causing CEOs to fret and worry and be tempted to even fudge the numbers when what the the reality is they should be focused not on burying on delivering results only God can control mm-hmm. which is a burden no CEO can bear yeah they should just be reporting what are the faithful activities we're doing and when they do that organizations are seeing fruit 30 60 100 fold yeah. like Wow, we just did these faithful activities, and Hogue, you're not going to believe the results we saw. Mm. And I kind of smile and go, faithfulness is the only pathway to 30, 60, 100 fold. And so when boards are just focused on outcomes, Mm -hmm. they're focused on the wrong thing. It's it's a freeing concept to to realize that we don't have we can't put fruit on the vine. All we can do is be faithful with those things that we do have control over and see the results. You know, um, when it comes to whether it's partnership development work, Mm -hmm. whether it's program work, you can't take the program. Mm -hmm. You can't cause someone to experience transformation. What you've got to faithfully do is deliver the program. Mm -hmm. In the same way with partnership, you've got to faithfully sow in hearts and only God can bring the increase. When you're focused on obedience, the rest takes care of itself. That's the second thing. Now let's move on to the third one. And I'm going to, since I'm being alliterative here, Uh I'm going to say the board's focus needs to shift from being like personality focused to being policy focused. Now, um, immediately your mind goes to, oh, well, we need to go to policy governance. Let me just step, dial you back a little bit and say, what I mean by personality focused is a lot of boards think, if we could only get so-and-so on our board, mm-hmm. then we'd be rocking. Yeah. And it's this person of maybe an insane wealth or influence who's already on eight boards, by the way. Right. And right. and so, you know, you would be number 27 on their priority list. Uh-huh. So if you move beyond that to let's get so-and-so on our board and we'll be great, to having what, what we call a board policy manual, which okay. is one document in one place which says, our mission, vision, purpose, and values. But then it has the responsibilities of the board members, Mm -hmm. the responsibilities of the officers, the responsibilities of the CEO, the reporting structure. It's about a 12-page document, and then you add little um, policies as appendices. Boards that have that are higher functioning than other boards because in one document, it's like it's like an orchestra mm-hmm. having a sheet of music. What happens when when the whole orchestra has the same set of music? Music, music and, happens, and it's and it's beautiful. Yeah. In the same way, when every board member, and they could be board members that range yeah. in age and experience, mm-hmm. when they know what's expected of them, and they see everyone else doing their mm-hmm. part, it raises. It's like the tide that raises all ships. Yeah. That's beautiful. Okay, so in thinking about developing board members, what are some of the priorities and strategies an executive leader should keep in mind? You know, I, I would say this because I really had to pray and lean into this as I w- uh, became a CEO mm-hmm. basically exactly two years ago. Um, 
I I determined that every time the board got together, mm-hmm. that we would focus on four priorities. Okay. Okay. And I'll map them out. I'll, I'll say them first, and then I'll kind of okay. dig into them. They all start with S to make them easier to remember. One is solitude. One is social. One is spiritual, and one is strategic. Okay. Now let's drill into them. Uh, the first one is solitude. Boards that attune to God are going to govern like the Jerusalem Council, which, of course, appears in Acts 15. Right. They aimed, remember, Nathan, they aimed to do what seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So in that, they were basically a board that was creating margin Mm -hmm. and space to hear from God. And so um, maybe, maybe you can resonate with this, but I've had board meetings over the years that they were they tried to make them as short as possible uh-huh. and god's involvement in the meeting was an opening prayer and a closing yeah. prayer and maybe like reading a bible verse at the beginning and then it's almost as if they said god we'll take it from here right and kind of run it a, and, a friend of mine says that's that's uh, giving a nod to god shuffling paper and worrying about payroll <laughs> there you go <laughs> and and so if the vast majority of boards have meetings like that where they mm-hmm. give the nod to god Mm-hmm. They shuffle the papers. They worry about payroll. What what what's going to come from that is um, actually it's funny you say that when <laughs> when when uh, when Dan Busby asked Wes Wilmer, Scott Rodin, and I to write what ended up being the book, The Choice. Uh-huh. He had actually over about a year at ECFA. He had been in about a dozen board meetings of large organizations that if I mentioned them, all the listeners would recognize these organizations. Uh-huh. And that was basically their testimony, that mm. they were getting together and all they were pretty much doing is worrying about how can we get more money to make ministry happen. Mm. And they didn't realize that, wait, money doesn't make ministry happen. God makes ministry happen. Mm. What's our role? And they got off the common path and got on the kingdom path, but... And I would save that for maybe a discussion about the book, The Choice. But what I'll say here is the first thing to do every time boards get together is solitude. Hmm. That is, boards that attune to God are going to govern like the Jerusalem Council, which aim to do what seemed good to the Holy Spirit first and then to them. So, um, in short, let's make margin in our meetings for if we actually believe God's the one guiding us, let's have margin for silence. Hmm. And... My board actually loves that in the heart of the meeting, we read scripture, and then we have a time of silence, hmm. and then we go around, and we do sharing, and the, the chair goes last. And when we do this, it's unbelievable to hear that how God spoke to the different people, yeah. weaves together a message for us from God that we believe we allow God to speak first. Only happens when you have solitude. Second, um, second is social. Boards that pray and play together, stay engaged together. Mm. Now, what I mean by this is block some time where you're on your knees and fasting and worship, but block some time for relational stuff and activities and meals together. And when you do this, they're going to build relationships, and they're going to say they may serve on four boards, Mm -hmm. but they look forward and can't wait to go to your board meeting because Mm. the relationships, the iron sharpening iron personal and spiritual development that happens in those times together is priceless. Hmm. And so um, add a social element. The third thing to add is a spiritual element. Um, Now, I want to alert everyone who's listening that you 
our God's ordained overseer for your board and don't forget it. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. people will say to me, Hogue, like, tell me what I should do. The answer is you're the one who needs to determine yeah. what to do. But what I would say is have your board read and study like one book every year linked to like your board retreat. Okay. And then have a time where basically you're having um, many little kind of teaching to kind of remind people what they read, but then rich discussion on it and the applications. And it gets them to own kind of the culture of the organization is going to be biblically integrated thinking Mm -hmm. will guide our governance practices. Hmm. So spiritually, I would have them thinking um, with uh, looking at biblically integrated resources. Give us a book or two uh, example you would suggest. Sure, um, I'll, I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you a few. So um, first and foremost, I would say uh, the Council: A Biblical Perspective on Board Governance, mm-hmm. which um, I wrote along with Wes Wilmer and Greg Henson. A second book I would recommend is a book that was written by Dan Busby called Lessons from the Nonprofit Boardroom and Lessons from the Church Boardroom. So if you're Mm. a church board. So what's great about those lessons books is there each book has got like a bunch of like anecdotes in it. Oh, nice. And so you could actually even, I have boards that um, they uh, send out kind of a different lesson. They subscribe to it at ECFA Mm -hmm. and they send out a different lesson to their board like every week or every two weeks or every month so that they're constantly dripping good thinking into their board. Oh, yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. That's great. The third area is um, strategic. Strategic. Or fourth area, sorry. The fourth area is strategic, and that is, um, and actually, you know, like when you're a new CEO and you kind of, it takes you a year to kind of learn something, uh-huh. but then once you learn it, you're like, wow, I'm glad we're doing that. For me, as well, a, I'm lying if I said I would not, I've not been a CEO, but I hear what you're saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love you, Nathan. So um, imagine Maybe that. Maybe one day. Listen to what happened, though. Uh-huh. So I'm going into my first couple board meetings, okay. and I'm thinking, I want to have every I dotted, every T crossed, everything kind of figured out. And see, so you know what I realized? That's a great way to create a disengaged board that okay. thinks, oh, all our job is is rubber stamping. Hmm. So yeah. what I did was I determined that every board meeting, I wanted to have at least one, no more than three, because you don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. And But they would come out of committees. Mm-hmm. Um, one, two, so we have four committees. Okay, um, and and so coming out of one or two or three committees is a generative question. Okay, or uh, or as the saying goes, give it give a dog a bone. Right, it's like throwing yeah. a bone out there, and what do they want to do? They want to chew, chew on it. it. And if a board member comes to a meeting and then gets a bone to chew on, mm-hmm. they feel like they contributed. They got a chance to offer some strategic thinking, mm-hmm. and if you warn them ahead of time you're going to get gold in response. So imagine you put in your committee discussions a generative question and you say, let's put this on the full board docket to see what they have to say. What the committee chairs will do is they'll say, hey, this was a summary of our rich discussion. We want Mm -hmm. to hear what the board has to say. And we have like 10 minutes. Uh And so literally giving it a time limit and then giving them a chance to give input, but warning them in advance, Mm -hmm. you're going to get these like awesome 60 second answers from really wise board members. Yeah. Give us an example of, of a generative question that you've used. Okay, so sure. 
Um, one example would be we were doing our first annual report. Okay. Again, never been a CEO, never done an annual report. Yeah. And all these people, many of them have either been CEOs or... Okay. And, and so I said, what would you put in an annual report? And I had, uh, I had one board member say passionately, you know, you've got to give stats, but you've got to give more than just the financials. Mm-hmm. You've got to tell the story of what God did in this last year. Mm-hmm. You've got you've to map it out so that people enter into it and see more than just the numbers and the financials in the ECFA seal. Yeah. You want to help them enter into that story. And then another board member said, oh, but you got to make sure that you have pictures that illustrate because I want to see the pictures. Mm-hmm. Now, other people like the numbers, right? Yeah. And so the way I like to think about it is what I learned from my board is that just like a good maybe newspaper has sections, yeah. you've got to make sure that you have these different sections that they're looking for. So what that did was to make them excited to see the annual report mm-hmm. and more importantly, share the annual report with a lot of people because yeah. they felt like they had a part in it. Yeah. I'll give one more example. Okay. Because um, um, that one's kind of on the partnership side. I'll okay. give a program example. Okay. I said to my board that we can work with leaders around the world to set up ECFA type peer accountability groups, but that's going to be changing the world from the top down. Mm-hmm. The Jesus movement is really more of a bottom up movement, right? Yeah. And yeah. I want the two to meet in the middle because we're trying to multiply stewards, think bottom up, mm-hmm. and we're trying to mobilize peer accountability groups, think top-down, to bring about generosity transformation in countries and Mm -hmm. transformation of governance. Well, no kidding, I said to them, I really believe we need to create a replicable tool called Journey of Empowerment. Okay. And rather than just roll it out and make them like it, I beta-tested it on my board at the board retreat. Okay. They loved it, and they gave incredibly good wisdom to refine it before we rolled it out. Wow. So my suggestion would be before you're going to roll out your annual report or before you're going to roll out a key program tool, be humble enough because this was really like a risk. Mm-hmm. Be humble enough to put it out there in kind of wet cement and let them play with it. And don't be surprised that they yeah. will not give you killer, insane advice that makes something that's really good excellent. That's beautiful. Okay, so... What can a fully engaged board do for an organization's partner development? We're talking about fund development, partner development. What are some things a board can, what influence do they have on that? Well, um, I like to use words that are not really the norm. Okay. You know? you, you, like um, the, the words I like to use are that a fully engaged board for partner development mm-hmm. is going to contribute to stability, succession, and sustainability. Okay. Now, what I mean by this is stability first is they're going to bring their networks to the table. Okay. And by networks, I mean, I'm so excited that we have, um, in our first year, we had 155 givers to GTP in our first full fiscal year. Wow. And I love that I can look at the list and say, well, this board member brought that person in, and this mm. board member brought that person in. So not only did I have 100% board giving, uh-huh. but then I had them bringing in their networks, whether it's individuals or foundations, yeah. which was huge. So it brought a sense of stability yeah. that it's not all on my shoulders. Yeah. So what I mean by stability is if I'm carrying the partnership weight on my shoulders, mm-hmm. it's it's going to become a burden. Now, 
when it comes to uh, succession, uh-huh. if I have their help, I'm going to be in my role for longer. Okay. And where it gets to sustainability is um, the organization will be sustainable if a network is supporting it and not just like some charismatic founder. Yeah, so you're you're fu- they're fully engaged bringing the network. They're they're caring about the human side of the organization and the operational and capacity when you talk about sustainability. What what do they typically what does the board typically center itself around rather than these three? Sure. Well, I mean, you you've probably heard them. It's the the typical moniker is that how a, how a board engages in partner development is give, get others to give or get off. And mm. It it's that's the mindset. If yeah. all it takes for ministry to happen is money, yeah. And the beauty is, uh, I like to quote the Apostle Paul, who said to the Corinthians, "You know, I'm going to come to you a third time." Two Corinthians twelve fourteen a. He says, "I'm about to come to you a third time, and what I want is not your possessions. I want you." Mm. When Jesus said mission was getting bigger, he said, "Pray the Lord of the harvest send what." Not money, send workers. Yeah. And so what you need are workers. And so if you're bored or workers, mm-hmm. they're going to bring a sense of stability to your day-to-day operations because they're going to bring their networks to the table. Yeah. They're going to contribute to the health of the staff and succession mm-hmm. and then the ongoing of the organization, sustainability. So the question we're looking at with this podcast has to do with the board's capacity for governance, implementation, and volunteer service. So name some factors affecting a board's capacity in this light and what can be done to increase capacity. Sure. Um, So it's been really uh, rewarding to do research of of boards in uh, around the world. Okay. And in doing the research, most organizations either uh, don't have a functioning board. It's like a series of names on the paper, but oh, yeah. it's really, they're not actively doing their role. And so step one is, are they actually um, following what I would describe as a board policy manual? So having a practical set of policies that will help them be higher functioning. Like, let me give an example. Okay. Most organizations, when they're small, they're just relying on what we call cash giving. Okay. If they don't have, for example, a gift acceptance policy, it's like you're not even positioned to receive a complex gift. And yeah. we're living in a day and age where where most all giving that's major gifts is complex gifts. Mm. It's like a, a percentage interest in a strip mall, you know, and that's the gift that keeps on giving $10,000 a year. But if yeah. you don't have a gift acceptance policy, you don't know that when we receive this gift, we need to make sure that we're a passive owner in it so mm. that we don't have any possible liabilities. All those things surface with things like a gift acceptance policy. So to increase the board's capacity, you need to have a series of policies in place mm-hmm. that guide how the administration works okay. and a series of reports in place to guide how the staff will efficiently and effectively report their faithful work. Okay. So as we're getting near the end of this and landing the plane, let's talk about some practical steps that those listening in today can do in the next seven days uh, to start to apply some of this. Sure. I would go to, and what I'm recommending is free, okay? I would go to gtp.org and click on the resource page and do the diagnostic tool. It's only 36 questions. And when you do it, it'll give you a a self-report. Like It'll give you a report 
that'll that'll suggest what templates you should download to help increase your capacity mm. and effectiveness. I would do that in the next seven days. So gtp.org, do the diagnostic tool on the resources page. The, and I would do that to give you the practical tools you need. The other thing I'd do is I would go to um, ecfa.org and I would get a copy of the Council of Biblical Perspective on Board Governance because yes. that is going to shape your thinking. If you have your thinking shaped biblically and you have the practical uh, tools and templates in place, you're going to increase your uh, efficiency and effectiveness. And then what that's going to result in mm-hmm. is greater missional impact. That's beautiful. So as we wrap up, Gary, what's a final word of advice, encouragement for anyone listening today? You know, the final word of advice is I'm going to go back to the fact that you're God's ordained person for your mm-hmm. organization. I'm not. So for you, he's given you everything you need in the Holy Spirit because that was the power of the of the guys back in the Council of Moses and the power of the Jerusalem Council. So mm-hmm. we have the same power within us, the Holy Spirit. The second thing is I would tap a bunch of really good practical tools that are available to you. And that'll help you increase your efficiency and effectiveness. That's outstanding. Gary, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. Privilege to be with you. Thanks. So many good nuggets. I'm sure you're able to find a few to apply in your context as it relates to optimizing board engagement. Like Gary said, as a next step, pick up a copy of his book, The Council, and begin to read through that. And then use the diagnostic tool on the Global Trust Partners website to see where you and your board are at. I just did this for an organization whose board I chair, and wow, was it eye-opening. We certainly have our work cut out for us, but like Jim Collins said in his book Good to Great, confronting the brutal facts becomes a turning point for changing your organization's trajectory for the better. On the next podcast, we turn to the topic of segmentation by answering question number 11, Why does your use of segmentation optimize the efficiency of your efforts? Again, I'm your host, Nathan Jones, and I want to thank you for joining me on this episode of the podcast series, A Curious Approach to Fund Development. 